All right, uh, session seven. How can I honor God in my suffering? Ever thought about that? Honoring God in our suffering? Look at the picture on page 148. See that picture on 148? Who's that? Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, Abe. Good old Abe. Okay, and as we look at that picture, notice the question. When have you seen someone honored in a memorable way? When have you seen someone honored in a memorable way? Like Abe. Huh? Last night, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, getting his jersey raised to the rafters. Yeah, that was a, that was a mo- momentous occasion for Wade. Anyone else? Someone honored in a, in a memorable way. Pastor Randy, some years ago, they had catechists who used to be in the churches and, of course, the Catholic churches as well. And... These went on for years and for years as a catechist and no one ever, local people knew them. But eventually they had a bishop and then Bishop Winkler, I think he was in America, and released them. And he came through the islands and they had special services, especially for the catechists. Mm-hmm. And although it means nothing probably to, I don't know about now, but in those days it meant quite an achievement that these people would recognize mm. as a character from these islands. It was very, in the islands it meant a lot that this particular person was an outstanding man of God. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, designed a national coat of arms and Pastor Ramin, I think he did a song, some size or something, but then it didn't, he wrote it, but it didn't get no recognition until many years they bought it up. Mm. And they wanted him to Okay. All right. And of course, there are many others that we could think of. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life. I want to read that. The bold Nero has not been kind to America. After the first migrated from Mexico in 1892, it quickly began to wreak havoc on one of the primary crop, crops in America. In America, cotton, thanks to bold people. Corn production dropped 50% within five years. Land values dropped as local economic, economies bottomed out. Unable to work, an estimated 6 million people mostly African-American farm workers migrated from the south to the north and which in what came to be called the Great Migration. Losses was estimated at 23 billion. Why would anyone honor the bold people? Yeah, that's what the town of, town of Enterprise, Alabama did. Corn was once king. But since the bold people was killing the industry, the farmers around, around Enterprise switched to other crops and found them to be more profitable. So they erected a monument in the pest honor. The bold people forced them to look in another direction, and that ultimately benefited them. We don't need to honor the pain points in our lives, but let's consider how we can use these, those pain points as a way to honor the one who walks beside us. 
Okay, so the boll weevil and its ep economic impact on America's cotton industry in the late 1800s made a big difference. Okay, and it was honored by Enterprise Alabama. Okay, so we don't need to honor the pain points, it says, in our lives, but let's consider how we can use those pain points as a way to honor God. I'm sure we don't think about that when we're in pain, do we? Do you think about honoring God when you're in pain? No. That's what the lesson is all about today. How we can honor God when those pain points stick us in various ways. What is the point? Every part of life, including difficulties, is an opportunity to glorify God. And notice, every part of life, every part of life, and remember that verse in Romans, all things work together for good? That comes to mind when we look at that, that uh, point. Every part of our lives. Uh, in moments of pain, we naturally focus on the pain. Our first thoughts do not automatically go to ways to honor God while we are hurting. Yet, if we step away from the pain and see what we are going through objectively, we could see how our reaction to pain, attitudes, and our words can still reflect a trust in God. In a world focused on self, the believer's attitude in the difficult times points beyond self to the one we love and trust. <coughs> Let's pray. Father, as we go through this lesson today, help us to discover ways we can honor and glorify you in our ordinary lives when pain comes our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of passages we have, but before we look at the passages, let me give you the setting. Paul began 2 Corinthians 4 by referring to the ministry God had given him and his response of not giving up. Verse 1. We honor God when we keep on keeping on. Paul defended his actions regarding the gospel. Verse 2. Acknowledged opposition. Verses 3 and 4. And described his role as a servant proclaiming Christ. Verse 5. Finally, Paul explained God's light as revealed in Jesus Christ, verse 6, where 711 focuses on letting Jesus be displayed in our lives even when we suffer. So Paul gives us an enlightenment there in 2 Corinthians, and we're going to see some of that today as we go into our study. So let's have someone read the first passage, uh, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, verses 4, verses 7 to 11. I want to take that one. Now we have a treasure in clay jars, so that is extraordinary power we need from God and our hearts. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed, sorry, but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, 
so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our love and reflection. Treasure is such an inviting word. We seek treasure. We prize the people of things we love as treasures. But what is the treasure to which Paul was referring? Based on the previous verses, Paul could be referring to his ministry or the gospel, the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 6. Considering that Paul's life and ministry were totally wrapped up with the gospel, Paul's treasure could be both. His treasure was what he possessed and proclaimed in Christ. Paul seems amazed that God would put his incredible treasure, the light and the gospel of Christ, in human vessels that are as common and insignificant as clay jars. During Paul's time, clay jars were extremely common. Every family had lots of them in their home. They were fragile, but if one broke, you simply picked up another one. The importance of the clay jar was not in itself, but in what it carried. In a similar way, our bodies are fragile. We are prone to break, yet God uses us to be vessel of His glory and truth. The contrast between ourselves, these fragile clay jars, and the glory of God inside us causes others to be amazed with what they see in us, the light of Jesus. The clay jar is different from the treasure, yet because of the treasure of Christ in our lives. We are affected in every way, but not touched. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Whatever may happen to us, or me, has no bearing on the life we have. Paul and his tribe made the pioneers knew this by experience. They had enjoyed much as they spared the light and glory of the gospel of Jesus. As they traveled, they were keenly aware that they carried the death of Jesus in their body, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in the body. Earlier, Paul had written to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20 They were afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down in their bodies. But the resurrection and glory of Jesus was clearly evident and on full display. Everything we do and say is a reflection of the gospel. Even when we face hardship and suffering, we still can reflect and glorify Jesus in our lives. We are merely playing lessons, but we are carrying the world, the world's most important message. Okay. Interesting passage. It says on. Uh couple of insights into that particular passage. The treasure either refers to Paul's ministry, uh, verse 1, 1 to verse 1, or God's insight revealed in Jesus Christ, verse 6. And there's an obvious contrast between the treasure and clay jars. This statement about treasure and clay jars contrasts priceless value to no value or worthlessness. God's extraordinary power is also a contrast to our human weakness. Also, there's another contrast that we notice in the passage. Although we are afflicted, perplexed, 
persecuted and struck down, God's extraordinary power ensures that we are not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, and not destroyed. Ever thought about that? We are afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. But because of the tremendous power of God, we are not crushed, we are not in despair, not abandoned, and we are not destroyed. So suffering, is, suffering was difficult for Paul, but he could see the results suffering brought, and that is glorification to Jesus Christ. And when we think about it in that light, uh, there is some relief, isn't it? When we think about the suffering, what the suffering is accomplishing. Glorification in Jesus Christ. So we can shift the focus from ourselves and the suffering and the pain on what it does in bringing glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Question number two. When have you seen someone glorify God when afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, or struck down? Anyone ever seen that? Jesus. Hmm? Jesus, Job, an ordinary person. Okay, Job is one. Okay. Job says, what did Job say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Okay, anyone else that you know or have known that uh, you have seen glorify God when afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, or struck down? They faced some kind of a tragedy, and their response was this. Anyone you can think of? Clearly, clearly Paul the Apostle. The Apostle Paul, okay. Okay. Anyone else in our lifetime? Yeah, Sister, Sister Will Kanaka and Sister Peggy Bryan, you know, mm-hmm. they both. Week after week, they are uh, praising God and thankful for all that they have and for what He is doing for them amidst the discomfort and the pain that they regularly experience. Amen. Yes. Jenny too. Jenny Sawyer. Jenny Sawyer. Okay. All right. I know a brother was doing ministry and he had a van, got a van loaded up with stuff, and he was going to to move into a new. Uh, city to uh, minister and the van burned down with everything in it, including all his travel documents. But that didn't deter him. He praised God and glorified because he saw God was, uh, God was at work even in that. You know, his wife jumped out and broke her ankle trying to get out of the fire. But he praised God. But, <coughs> Randy, just on Monday, I was doing my praise and worship at home. I got up to get something, and that in that spare moment, I had a bit of back pain. I, don't, I was alone, and trust me, that was a pain. Mm-hmm. I had to crawl, I don't know how I can it yet, in the bed. But I said, Lord, I have so much things to do today. And I prayed, and I prayed, and tell her pain diminished. I didn't go right away. I didn't come to, I'm not that was the truth, I even came to cross tra- training, cross training. I just press my way. Mm. So when these things happen, you just can't give up. You mm. just have to reach out to God more and more and keep giving the strength and the grace mm-hmm. and faith to continue to go on. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, next we will discover how we can use our situations as opportunities for thanksgiving and praise to God. Next passage, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 12 to 15. We want to take that one. 
So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause us even to increase the glory of God. We may find a way for the pain and difficulties, but those moments of trial come and should be opportunities to point to Christ and offer them thanks. We are not thankful for the hardship itself, but for our work it accomplishes. Paul and his ministry team faced persecution and even death, but it was for the blessing and benefit of the people of God. Death is a work in us, but life in you. Paul endured all of his trials and adversity, knowing it would benefit the people who hear the gospel and trust in Jesus. It was because Paul was willing to suffer such hardship that people were able to hear the gospel and find the way. The life Paul had in his mortal body was a gift from God and would be made manifest in his own future resurrection. When his physical body died, his life being away. Paul endured because he had a knowledge of his own eternal life in Christ. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with him. He could endure any hardship because this effort, because this short life is not all there is. But we also endure any and all things because it benefited the Corinthians and all those he sought to reach. The result? It may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. In May of 2004, his daughter Harvey was born in Mutual. She weighed only 15 and a half ounces and was in utter danger of being We were terrified. We were scared of losing her. We were scared of how we care for this tiny, sickly Yet, after 108 days, our little girl was well enough to go home. It was a hard move, but we are thankful about her. He used his church to rally around and support us. His Holy Spirit brought to us the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. We are thankful how God continued to use us because of what we endured. In the years since Abby came home, we have been in touch with many parents in similar situations. We are thankful for the opportunities He has given us to come alongside others and give comfort and hope to them. 
as others give any comfort to us. Okay. Well, that's an experience, isn't it? Okay. Death is a thread that weaves through verses 10 to 14. A thread. Notice the meaning of this death in this passage. Death is at work in us. Always at work in us. Likely refers to, the phrase likely refers to Paul's previous statements, especially in verses 10 to 11. Paul suffered because he was a faithful apostle in bringing the good news to others. His life was always on the line. People were always trying to kill him. Paul wrote, but life in you, notice the phrase, highlights the contrast between death and life and indicates how one action, Paul's preaching, can have two different results. For Paul, the ensuing suffering was bringing death to him. At the same time, Paul's preaching brought the message of life to the Corinthians. One message, two results. Knowing this fact, this promise, the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. That phrase is what sustained Paul in his ministry, which brought a lot of suffering to him. There were times when Paul was beaten and left for dead. They just thought he was dead. They beat him so bad. They thought he was dead. And he said, oh yeah, he's dead now. Just leave him. <laughs> suffering. But he didn't stop, did he? He continued. Notice the connection Paul makes in this conclusion in verse 15. In the word everything that he uses here, literally all things, refers to the entirety of Paul's ministry. His preaching the good news, his suffering to the point of death, his writing, his visits, and the way he had lived his life since meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. Totally changed man. Okay? Paul saw all these things as a benefit for the Corinthians, those he was ministering to. Even though it was not very, you know, pleasing to him, there were benefit to them. And so he says, so that grace, so that as grace extends through more and more people, that phrase indicates Paul's purpose in his preaching, to develop a dynamic group of believers who would share God's gift, that is God's grace, with more people. And so Paul was doing all this for a purpose. We had that phrase, um, what's the phrase they use now, when someone goes in the, the um, drive through line and they pay for the person behind them. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. <laughs> Paul was paying it forward here, all right, with regards to the Corinthians. He was going through all of this so that they, in turn, would share God's gifts of grace with more people. Sorry, one of them too. I like how he doesn't do things halfway. Mm -hmm. He go all the way. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm gonna go all the way. Not like us. Bang into okay, we have to do a little bit, but maybe do too much to draw too much attention to us. Or when the heat get too intense, yeah, he back like, off. Okay, we're shrinking back, but then he don't shrink back. He go go full on, you know. Mm -hmm. He go all out. Pull out a purpose. Yes. Notice the phrase. It may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Also specifies that the believer's goal should be to use our situations as opportunities for thanksgiving and praise to God. 
every opportunity, all right, should be used as, as an opportunity for thanksgiving and praise to God. The fact that we are able to experience it, praise God, should be a common phrase from the believer whenever we are going through situations. Because that's what it's all about. Every part of life, notice what the point says, every part of life, including difficulties, is an opportunity to glorify God. Praise God should be a popular phrase that falls from our lips. Okay, question number three. What obstacles sometimes keep us from viewing suffering as an opportunity to share the gospel? What obstacles? Like I said before, you don't want to draw attention. Okay. You don't want, you know, you'll do a certain amount and then you sort of shrink back. Okay. Attention to self. Anything else? Obstacles. More aware of the hurt or the pain, focusing on that, than how it could be used of God. Okay. All right. Last passage. Next we will see, next we will be reminded that our suffering can bring glory to God. And sometimes we question that, whether our suffering is really bringing glory to God. So that's what we're going to look at in these, this last passage, uh, verses 16 to 18. Who want to take that one? Last one. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer man person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Pain and suffering hit us all. It may be for a brief time, but for others, pain is something they've lived with for years. Many of us are walking through suffering right now. And if you aren't aware of any hardship at the moment, just wait. It'll come. Regardless of the source of our difficulties, we're called to endure. Paul assured us, therefore, we do not give up. And he gave us the reason. The answer is largely in the verses we just examined. We endure because he has shown us mercy and grace. We endure because it draws us closer to God as we keep our focus on him. We endure because it displays the power of God and the life we have in him. We can also endure and not give up when we keep our suffering in perspective. From the viewpoint of our eternity with Christ, whatever we endure in this life, is our momentary light affliction. Even if we were to suffer for the rest of our earthly lives, that is a short span of time when compared with eternity. <coughs> the rewards of our eternity with Christ far outweigh the pain of the temporal. When we allow God to work in us, we find strength. We grow in Christ. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. This truth then changes our focus from what we can see, the here and now, to what we can't currently see, eternity. Karen Alexander Doyle lives out this truth. She has fought cancer and survived. She lost her husband in a tragic accident when her sons were young adults. She is fighting cancer again and has survived in the face of all odds. Yet, 
She is more on fire to share the love of Christ now than ever before. How can that be? She feels so free. When I, Candace, encountered her at a women's conference, it was clear she had lost weight. Her hair was still in the process of growing back, and she seemed fragile. In spite of appearances, she struck me as the strongest woman in the room. She had a fire in her belly to boldly proclaim him to anyone who would listen. She was beautiful. Her outward body was weak. She had to sit down on a stool as her physical body faltered. But spiritually, she was strong. Only God could do that. She is a living testimony that though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. We too can stand strong because a far greater glory awaits us in Christ. Amen. And I'm sure we've seen many people like that. Eh? <coughs> Notice the, the um, phrase by Elizabeth Elliot. In my own life, I think I can honestly say that out of the deepest pain has come the strongest conviction of the presence of God and the love of God. Interesting statement. A couple of um, notes on verse 16. It says, we don't give up. Formed an essential part, this phrase formed an essential part of Paul's approach to life. Uh, he never gave up. No matter how difficult the obstacles were or how much the suffering was, he never gave up. The word translated give up also in verse 1 refers to an ongoing response and gives us perspective in our suffering. The term for our outer person refers to one's physical body that is in the process of being destroyed. As we get older, the body gets what? Weaker. Weaker and weaker. Right? The term inner person refers to the spiritual life only God can see and that is being renewed day by day. The words translated as being renewed reveal a new kind of life that focuses on the day by day action of salvation called sanctification or being made more and more and more like Christ. All right, so we get a, a good perspective there on verse 16. Last, uh, what, question number four. What are some things that have kept you from giving up when life gets hard? For some people, it's family. It's a particular loved one. Yeah, for me, that is. Yeah, like okay. Especially when you Okay. <laughs> I think for most people, it's someone. <laughs> Okay. Mm -hmm. um, last Sunday, there's a relative of relatives of my mother, but actually, the daughter, one of the daughters, she died in church. That is, she had gone to um, die in church, and she She just walked from the bathroom up to the car, from the steps, and by the time she got into it, she was. I mm. That's last week? Wow. As quick as that. 
And that happens. It happens all the time. Okay, as we are, time is pretty much gone here, but a couple of more contrasts Paul uh, mentions. Uh, momentary with eternal, light with weight, and action or affliction with God's glory. Some other contrast Paul mentions here. But let's look at uh, how we can flesh this out. What do we do with this lesson that we've gotten today? The final lesson on how can I honor God in my suffering? Page 157. How will you use your life to bring glory to God? First one is pray. Ask God for help when you endure suffering. Do anyone not do that? We always do, do we? Okay. Ask him to draw you closer to him. Ask a few close friends to pray for you and remind you of God's love for you. Okay, that's number one. Second, journal. One way to, to discover how God is at work is to use a journal to write down your prayers and observations. In time, you can look back at your writing to see what he taught you and how you have grown in Christ. Good one. And then share. Tell someone else of your experience with, with God during a time of difficulty or suffering. It's your story to share. Look at it as a gift to someone who is suffering now. Pray and ask God to make you aware of any opportunities to use your story to encourage or help others. I wanted to especially underscore, I, I think that, you know, so many, a lot of us, I mean, I look around this room, and we're quite acquainted with scripture, and we all own several copies. But when you're in a tough circumstance, it is wonderful to reach out, and if you can get yourself to do it, in case they don't, call someone and tell them and let them minister to you. And let them give you the word of God that you know, but there is a, a, a blessing that really comes from others sharing that with you, even mm -hmm. though you know it. Yep. To have them mm -hmm. speak it to you and to pray with you. Mm -hmm. uh, Brother mm -hmm. Randy, what you said is quite, quite true, but then again, I go a little further. Is that memorizing Bible voices or sometimes a whole chapter of Bible. Mm. Any particular part of the chapter that you like, memorize the whole chapter. Mm. And therefore, then the pain do come that you are shaking with pain, with cold chills. That's a minor thing. Because you know, it comes to, comes to play. You imagine Jesus was on the cross and how he shook with pain for you. Mm -hmm. So it's a small thing for you to experience some of the pain that he has yeah, he has taken one for you, so yeah. that's where I look at it. Yeah. So memorizing, for you to get, sometimes you can't even, you can't even hold your hands up to pain. But then again, the mind, brain says, there's a stop here. Good. This is only a stumbling block. Let's right. move on. Good valid points. Keep those in mind. Yeah. Okay, and we could use any one of the three points uh, uh, as we go through uh, this weekend. Courage, uh, others around us. Okay, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for being with us, in us, and through us, uh, in our suffering. Thanks for always helping us 
and given us hope for eternity in the midst of suffering. Thank you for the lesson today that reminds us so much of what we need to do and what we can do in the midst of suffering that can bring you glory and honor. Uh, remembering that you do allow nothing in vain. Bless us now as we leave this building, but not your presence. Continue to get glory to yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.